There's another side to good health, and that's good mental health. Been listening to your guys' episodes since since you reached out to me. And really good, good podcast. I love it, man. Oh, thank you. That's high praise. That. Yeah. Which ones have you listened to so far? Oh, uh, uh, well, obviously, I think you you want to go for Macklemore episode right away to see <laughs> what, what he's he's doing, and that was real fun. And I I listened to you guys uh, with a shrink, you know, shrinks episode, and talking about you know your experience. So. I, I just enjoyed because, quite honestly, you know, it is kind of a guy's testosterone, pride, full sport, and rarely anybody talks about feelings, man, and, and you know, the emotions. Uh, everybody talks about ripping bombs 350 yards, but nobody talks about what goes on after. So I really, I really like this, this unique approach to it. That means a lot, truly. Oh, I know. That's, that's really kind. That means we're, we're hitting the mark. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. I'll be I'll be a listener for sure. I love it. So you're you're down yeah, in man. Georgia, is that right? I am. I mean, I I live in Atlanta, Georgia, but I am currently. And you guys are going to be jealous. I'm currently at Pinehurst. Oh, and, uh, snap. yeah, man. Oh, that's yeah. Amazing. Actually, I'll, I'll I'll share that story how I arrived here. But yeah, man, I got a tea time at the back road tomorrow, and then on Wednesday I'm playing number three. On Thursday I'm playing number two. And on Friday, I'm playing number four. So that's going to be a lot of lost balls coming up. <laughs> yeah, man. Godspeed. Yeah, actually, for the first time in my life, I booked a caddy for number two. I'm going to tell him, man, you, ju- you just give me a club, I'm going to hit it. I'm not going to hit it well, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not going to question anything. Just, just tell You're me what to do. You're not going to ask any questions. Yeah, I think, that's, nah. I think that's the right approach. Just like, because that is the full experience of that place is like, have the caddy learn the stories, hear the hear the shots, how to hit them, and all that stuff. Like that would be incredible. Oh yeah, man! And and I, I just drove by n- number two, and I looked at those greens. You know, I I, I can three putt the municipal course. This one, I think, is going to be. <laughs> if I do three putt, that's going to be good. One of the, yeah. uh, I think it's really funny at Pinehurst, specifically Pinehurst number two. One of their key performance indicators is degreening. So when you putt, when you're on the green and you putt off the green, so how many D, D greens will you get is the, is the metric of success. That's kind of at diabolical. Yeah. <laughs> Think about it. Yeah. yeah at least one <laughs> per hole. It's brutal. Yeah. It's brutal, man. It's brutal. Well, it sounds like you, you've got a story about how you ended up there, if you don't mind sharing. Yeah. So uh, I'm not sure. I, I guess, Connor, you saw, you saw that thread I put up on Reddit. Yeah. So I guess there's helpful context there. So a, a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago emailed me a link to a Reddit thread that Milos had written. And um, in it, Milos described uh, his six-year battle with cancer. And, you know, I was instantly touched and blown away and um, heartbroken at hearing your story, reading your story. Um, but what really also drew me to it was, I think the the levity that you wrote about in it, in your story and, and how, you know, there, there are moments in, in your writing about it that, that are humorous, that are very positive, that are very optimistic, that talk about your family, that talk about your legacy, that talk about cherishing the moments that you have had on this earth. And I think, um, you know, a part of that has been your journey with golf too, in the, in the last six months or so since finding the game. And so after reading that Reddit thread, I knew that we needed to reach out because as, as you now know, Milos, we're, we're a golf podcast, but we're not a golf podcast. So I'm, we are truly, truly grateful that you're here sharing this time with us because I know time is uh, time is precious. Um, so I guess with that, sure. I'm I want to turn it over to you to share a little sure, bit about man. your story. Well, I, I appreciate the kind words, man. And uh, for what it's for, guys, I, I'm really not the type, you know, for for sympathy and and feeling bad. So if we can laugh mm-hmm. through all this, uh, that that would be great, man. There, there's no for point sure. in in crying about things you can't really control. So really, in, in, in quite a kind of short story, I'm originally from Europe, from southeastern Europe, a very small country called Montenegro, now around 600,000 people, probably smaller than the city you guys live in. I live in Atlanta, so it's, it, my country smaller than that. I came to the uh, United States in 2005 when I was 18 on a, on a basketball scholarship, and I played at Penn State University. I got my degrees, and 
I've met my wife, Trish, and we got married, moved down to Atlanta. Uh, you know, we were about to start a family when I, when I was about 29. We were, you know, starting to talk about having family and, and doing some major planning. And then all of a sudden I started getting this acid reflux out of nowhere. And, you know, I went to see a doctor and he said, you know what, man, you're, you're, you're 30, you're good, but let's just, let's just, to be sure, let's just kind of send a scope down your throat to see what's going on, just to see if it's acid. Should it, Probably you need pumps and that's it. And, you know, I walk up from procedure and I'm like, hey, nurse, what's going on? Can I go? And she's like, oh, a doctor's coming, you know, the, with a somber. And I'm like, boy, that's, that is, that's not going to be good. And, man, the, the, the worst thing about that, though, is you're in this little 10 by 10 examination room with, like, curtains around. Right. And, and there's like people left and right of you. There's there's no privacy whatsoever. So I'm thinking, yeah, if doctor's coming, you know, he's going to tell me maybe he found an ulcer or something. He's not going to drop the big news on me here. Right. But and the dude comes in and is like, man, this is really hard for me to do. <laughs> but uh, you got cancer. And, you know, I'm still kind of groggy from anesthesia. And, and I'm thinking, man. Is that I said? Is it uh? Is it malicious? I, my brain wasn't back fully online yet. I I want to say malignant. It's like, oh, I think you mean malignant. And I'm thinking, yeah, man. Thank, thanks for correcting my grammar here, as you're telling me that that, that my dates and number. But yeah, he said, yeah, I'm hundred percent certain that this is malignant. We're we're gonna do some more tests. Anyways, it turns out to be a stage three esophageal cancer. And that's one of the very rare cancers and one of the deadliest, really, for men. I think it's about the third or fourth deadliest cancer in the world for men. And uh, I went through, you know, all the good stuff, chemo, radiation and stuff. Uh, I kept going in and out of uh, remission. And then I was clear for about two years. I was in remission for about two years. And we decided, you know, doctors were starting to say, although the prognosis wasn't good in the beginning, I had about right away, I had about 14% chance of survival five years. And uh, after being clear for two years, doctor said, you know, man, this is, this is kind of crazy. We've never seen someone go in remission for this long. You know, you might be out of woods. So with all that optimism, we said, well, let's, let's just continue living our life the normal way. So we did an IVF. My wife got pregnant on the first try, thankfully, and I actually got a new job. So, you know, my wife is six months pregnant and I'm starting a new job in a week. And I wake up this one morning with my jaw twitching and I thought I was having a stroke because I just couldn't speak clearly. And I called 911 and they couldn't even understand me because I was slurring my words. So... It, I, I started, you know, obviously the panic hits you, the, the fight or flight response. So I ran to my Simply Safe alarm and hit a panic button. And, you know, they called, but I couldn't respond. So they sent someone over right away. And then, you know, firefighters came, took me to the ambulance. And uh, in the emergency room, they immediately ran some scans. And then, you know, another somber looking doctor comes in and says, Man, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but there's some shadow on your brain. And we got to do an emergency brain surgery. So uh, I had a metastasis to my brain. And at that point, obviously, they, they, they did emergency surgery, took that thing out. But at that point, I was upgraded to stage four cancer. And at that time, I had a, about 2 to 8% chance of survival, right? And I have a, a pregnant wife and a job that's starting in a week with, with my skull half open. So that was, a, that was a bit of a setback, if you can say. But somehow, again, I, I got back on my feet and, you know, I went into another remission for another about a year and a half, which was unbelievable and unheard of. And uh, about two or three months ago, I had a single concerning spot show up on a follow-up scan. And I, uh, about three weeks ago, I did a, a proper full PET scan and that showed up uh, some five spots that are concerning. Thankfully, none have hit the organs, but they are throughout the body, which is not a good sign because, you know, it's obviously a sign of, of it being present all across the body. So I just got the word actually yesterday from my doctor that we'll be starting pretty heavy chemotherapy and immunotherapy regimen coming up very soon. Uh, I asked him if I could have about two weeks so that I can try to squeeze in as much golf as possible. 
and that was granted. So I'm about two weeks away from, from being bald and skinny and all that good stuff. But hey, I got two weeks to play golf. That's, uh, and I'm at Pinehurst now. I'm about to hack it through these legendary fairways. And, you know, I'll probably, probably make some divots and get kicked out of the course. But hey, it'll be, it'll be <laughs> memorable. That's for sure. And that, that kind of brings me to the Reddit thread, right? Uh, I want to, you know, right. uh, on, on, the, on, on those forums, folks are mostly focused on, you know, how do I hit a Bryson kind of drive or, you know, how do I not putt 50 times around? But I just wanted to, to kind of bring a different perspective that, you know, the sport can be stressful and frustrating, but, you know, there, there are bigger things in life. And, and if you take a different perspective on that, golf can be incredibly fun. And like you guys know, I've been playing only six months now. Uh, I've just started regularly breaking 100. And it is frustrating on a course when, you know, as a former athlete, you think, oh, man, this, this looks easy. And then I walk on a course and shoot like 105. It's extremely frustrating. But I don't get mad because, you know, obviously there are bigger things in life than that. But you just take golf for, you know, what it gives you, which is a lot of good time and a lot of time in nature. And uh, that thread on Reddit kind of exploded, man. I got contacted by so many folks. Uh, actually, the director of Pinehurst front office reached out to me. That's how I ended up here. Uh, I, you know, I would have never thought that I could squeeze myself into number two. <laughs> Who would let me play on number two? But he he emailed me and he said, "Hey, man, uh, I got you and your family a couple nights here in a in a resort and I booked you three times for number two, three, and four." And I'm like, "Man, you're so generous. I hope they don't wow. fire you when they see how I'm playing on these courses." <laughs> but he loved it, man. And then I got reached out by the media department. So now I, I'm going to have a videographer follow me on number four for like front nine and then do an interview after. He said he wants to record me play four or five holes. I told him, let's just stick with putting. At least the putting looks like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> don't, uh, don't record Anybody me can swinging, make a 20-foot putt. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, just just don't, don't record me doing full swings. Nobody needs to see that. That's... Uh, that's not pleasant to the eyes. But yeah, man, it's, it's crazy how it snowballed into all this. It blows me away how this is all unfolding as we're speaking, mm -hmm. right? Like you found out, you got news from your doctor yesterday about yeah. some results. So you've obviously been going through this process for the last six years. How does it feel to, constant, to still sort of be living day by day with a lot of question marks hanging over the situation? It's still it's still unfolding. There's still questions left unanswered. Are you are you used to the uncertainty at this point? Is the uncertainty still difficult? Yeah, man. It's it certainly it's it's very difficult to not know you know what what lies ahead. And I have likely the, the best doctor team available for my type of cancer, and that's a Duke Cancer Institute. And even even this genius of a doctor can't tell me what what's going to happen. Mm, right. You know. He, he, has an, he has ideas or wishful thinking of how, how this might go down, but not a single human on planet can guarantee me the outcome here, right? So that's, that's a very uncomfortable territory to be in, especially if you have two kids, which, which we do now, and, mm -hmm. you know, very young kids. So from that side of things, it, it's quite difficult to, you know, when, when, when your kid cries at night and, and calls for data, you know, you, you go in, but on, in back of your mind is, what, what is he going to do when I'm not here? You know, what, when mom comes in and he asks for dad in the middle of the night, how's that going to go down? So those are all the thoughts that, that, that come kind of with this situation. But there, there's a positive to it. I'm, mm -hmm. you know, I'm much more risk. I have much more tendencies to risk now. I don't care as much about things. Honestly, it's 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 given you this freedom that you're not constrained by minor things anymore it, it, you know you just you you are, you can ignore the, some of the rules i'm not saying go out and rob a bank but you know when, when your days are when your days are not number you can have fun with some things you know if i if i if i want to go out and play one of the most legendary courses which i have no business playing and they want to record me playing it you know Sure, I would probably before cancer, I would say, no, what, what are you guys doing? Let's not embarrass ourselves. But now I'm like, yeah, if you want to do all 18, record me. <laughs> hey, go ahead, man. I'm, uh, if, if it works for you, it works for me. So, 
you know, there's kind of, you live only one ceiling to it. But I will say uh, there is a, there's this mentoring program that you can sign up for to get paired up with folks who get diagnosed with similar cancer and are in a similar stage of life. So I went through it when I just got diagnosed and paired up with some great people of my age who, who made it through. And, you know, they advised me what's ahead and how to handle certain situations. And I've been doing that as a mentor for the last four or five years. And unfortunately, nobody who I paired up with, and that's been four people so far, all younger than me, nobody's made it. They, they have all, you know, moved on to, to eternal lands out there. And, you know, last guy being about two weeks ago, same age as me, two kids and a wife, you know. So it's, it hits very close to home when something like that happens. Yeah. So it's, it's tough living in this twilight zone of, how will I de- how will my family go on without me and what else what kind of trouble can I still get into while I have time if you don't mind sharing um, I, I think there a lot of people most people are, are touched by someone in their lives that have battled with cancer they've lost mm-hmm. to cancer mm-hmm. um, but the mentorship program is something that is super special for those that are still here that are fighting that are are trying to live their life to the fullest what are what are some of the lessons or some advice that you've shared or that you've received from that mentorship program i i think the biggest thing with, with, with this type of disease is is your mental state and and i've seen that you know play over many times i'm the type you know when i just got diagnosed I went through what, what everybody probably goes through right away. You know, first it's the shock. Then you're, you're sitting outside looking at the sky, crying, asking why, why is this happening to me? Why me? You know, all that stuff. But after a while, it's, it's your choice. Do you want to keep sulking? Do you want to, you know, shut yourself down and be angry at, at the world? Or do you want to seize the time that you have here? And I've obviously chosen the path. Let's have as much fun as we can while I'm here. And, and see what, what comes from it. And I've noticed the folks who I speak with, most of them have somewhat of a negative approach, like how am I going to deal with this chemo? Is this going to hurt? You know, and if you approach it negatively, I can't prove this, and I'm a very scientifically based person, but I'm sure there's a connection between your mental state and physical mm-hmm. state. And, you know, there are studies done on that currently, and there's some, some research that suggests that, that it's quite connected but I firmly do believe that if you have a positive outlook, you might not, you know, survive uh, deadly cancer, but you might extend it in, in a way that I did. It's, you know, I, I beat every every odd given to me. And I, I can't believe that it's simply because, you know, the chemo worked on me. It's 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 got to have something to do with a mental mm-hmm. mental state that you're in. And that that's the biggest lesson that I always give to folks who I try to mentor but it's very tough to, to dig them out of it. You know, we, we do talk for half an hour and say, yeah, you're right. I'm going to work on it. But then you go back to your daily life and, you know, you get an infusion of chemo and you feel like you're, you're about to die. And, you know, your kids are crying and that brings you down. You got bills to pay. So life hits mm-hmm. you, man. It's not easy to live in a positive outlook like that. And by the way, guys, you can ask me whatever you want. I got I, I, I'm willing to share. Uh, there's nothing TMI here, so just shoot whatever interests you. Morbid, yeah. funny, whatever. I, I really, really admire your outlook on all of this. As as difficult Thanks, as man. it is for for you and your family, it's um, it's incredible. Thank you. I I spend a lot of time thinking about needs and desires and how every one of us has needs and has desires, and they're relative to our circumstance. They're relative to our narrative and our story. I need to make more money. I need to, you know, have a better relationship with my partner. I need to have a better relationship with my parents, whatever that might be. How do you look at that concept now, the concept of needs? What are some of your needs right now? And how do you frame that in the context of your disease currently? Family still takes precedence to me even before cancer. So my family is here with me on this trip right now. They're they're at a pool. They're having a blast. And my first thing is just make sure that that they're set. And and that's almost I guess preparing as well for that when the time comes that they're set. You know, financially, emotionally, 
paperwork, all, all that stuff. It's incredible. <laughs> you would think that dying is a simple process, man, but it, there, there's a lot of paperwork involved. They, they want you to be doing bureaucracy until you take your last breath. But joking aside, you know, I did did get lessons from this uh, mentorship program where, you know, some of the folks who passed away, they didn't prepare, you know, they didn't write their living wills and and, and now their families are going, you know, through through a tough time trying to arrange all that. So those are kind of things, the practical things that I care about. And uh, one thing that since this latest diagnosis that I that I've been meaning to do and that I kind of set up a structure, I would I wanted to record a kind of video sessions of myself telling my kids some things, my takes on life, you know, on religion, on, you know, drugs, on sex, on all the good stuff. Just just my perspective, not that they should follow that, but more mm-hmm. to understand, you know, who their dad was. And hey, if, if their personality happens to be like mine, you know, they, they would have a kind of clearly outlined mm-hmm. path to follow in in some of these things. So so those are the things that I, that I mainly care for or, or need to take care of right now. Other than that, man, it this, this disease that does put things into perspective. So, you know, if uh, our AC broke right before this trip and you know that's a that's a stressful situation but we, mm-hmm. we didn't stress i said hey ac broke we'll get a somebody to come and repair it hey i'm, a, I'm going to play at pinehurst you know <laughs> i i don't i don't i don't have room to stress about ac being broken it, it, right i just i just don't have the, the capacity to stress about that and that's not going to do any good but yeah. that's my perspective i understand how that wouldn't work for you guys right you guys have your own problems. And a lot of folks say, I don't know how you do it. I don't know if I could do what you're doing. But the thing is, you, you probably would. And, you know, the problems that you guys have in your lives, they're the central point in your life. That does, you know, they might not be as terminal as my problem is, but they're still your problems. So don't discount your own issues because somebody has it worse, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. and obviously, I, I'm in a bad spot here health-wise. But yeah, they're, they're folks who are in war spot health-wise. A lot of them aren't playing number two in two days. Right? <laughs> it's, I'm curious about how <laughs> golf fits into all this. Like, why golf? Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> I don't know that given health circumstances, I'm going to take a, a chunked wedge shot lightly. <laughs> you know, I'm going to want it back yeah, really bad. I do it now. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah. why golf, how golf fits into all this? Uh, I mean, it's amazing that you're at Pinehurst, but uh, golf seems like for oh, most yeah. people, I think one of the last things they'd want to do, like for enjoyment, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, maybe I'm a, I'm a masochist and, and I enjoy <laughs> suffering because I, you're right. I, uh, I should be somewhere at the beach right now sipping mojitos and, and not uh, getting frustrated about shanking my drives. But yeah, uh, so about six months ago, I actually last last year I had both of my hips replaced. Uh, they all went bad because of chemotherapy and radiation. And I, when I woke up from the surgery, my surger, surgeon said, well, you're done running and playing basketball, but you're very tall. You're I'm 6'10", by the way. You're very tall, so with your swing, you can probably hit it far. Why don't you? Why don't you play golf? You can play that. And I, you know, at that time, I honestly thought golf is a sport of doctors, you know, higher upper class kind of executives. Yeah. I found it quite pretentious, to be honest. Uh, but, but one of my close buddies, he, he's been playing for a while, and he's just your regular hacker who's happy if he breaks a hundred. And he he had me come out on a course and. Uh, I was shanking them all day, but there was just something peaceful about it. Mm. There was it was quiet. It was in the middle of in a city, in the middle of a city municipal course, but it was quiet. It was peaceful. There's no pressure, you know. Th- th- there was no group behind us, so there was no pressure, and it was just man. This this is four hours of not thinking about anything, and it's it still comes in an, as an exercise, which which is great. Obviously, we all need some of that. So I figured, hey, l- let me give this a shot. Maybe maybe I can get some exercise in. And I bought this uh, Callaway starter set. And I just started hacking with that for a couple of months. But, you know, being 6'10", you guys can imagine those clubs didn't fit that great. And uh, <laughs> I, I I actually got for went for fitting about a month and a half ago. And my pink irons just arrived 
not too long ago. So I'll be playing with them here. Nice. Uh, they're they're plus three and a half inches, which they never made before in the store. I went to Pink could even make them three and a half inches. They send them a two and a half without a grip. And the store extended them another inch. Now, now the people come up to me with this new set, and they're like, "A big man, how how far do you hit it? You must hit it far." And I just have to disappoint them. Like, yeah. man, if I, We're if working I, on if contact I, right now, yeah. not distance. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to get them 50 yards, man. Don't yeah. don't put your hopes on me. But, yeah. but I'm sure come come the time you connect on one, that'll it'll go. But that's the thing, man. That that's what keeps me coming back. Whenever I connect on it, it goes. And my swing is not very fast because I'm trying, you know, to square face at impact. So I'm I'm trying to swing slower. Only about 70, 80 right now is my swing speed until I get it down. But interestingly, when I do make contact, they do go far. You know, I can, if I hit a dry pure, I think some of them go up 275, 290 with, with this, you know, ill-fitting driver here. But most of the time, I don't make a good contact. <laughs> and, and it's funny, I was yeah, just yeah, playing yeah. La- last week at this country club. I got paired up with this uh, gentleman in his 70s, and he's shooting two or three over par and you know i of the of the tee i just slice really heavily so what i do is just i aim left until i figure this out i aim left and it, it goes in the middle and i get to a tee and i do my slow swing to the left and it slices right in the middle of the fairway and he said this is the slowest swing i've seen that goes this far but it was a you hit a perfect fade and I told him, my, my friend, that's not a fade. This is this is not on purpose. I was aiming for those trees and see where it ended up. But it was it was very encouraging. That's not a fade. Yeah. That's a slice. I feel like you must have one of the best and most open mindsets when you're playing golf. Sort of back to what you were saying earlier about reframing problems that we all have in our lives. Like you shanking a wedge, you laying the sod over a wedge is not the biggest problem that you have right now, right? And so I'm exactly. curious, like, when you're walking down the fairway, when you're when you're chasing your ball in the woods, what is what what sorts of feelings, both mental but also physical, are you experiencing when you're out there? Honestly, when I'm wa- walking the fairway, it's it's just I I just can't describe it. The silence of it, the the trees just encompassing you around the. You know, the vast fields, you just feel, I, I, like I said, I'm a very science-driven guy. And I do think that, you know, early humans, that, 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 that was our habitat. That's where we live. And I do think that when you get out there, there's some kind of either dopamine release or something that tells you, you know, you're home. Now, sure, mm-hmm. we, we do carry these long iron sticks that, that we hit the ball with in, in the meantime. But you're still doing it all, all in nature. And you, and you describe it perfectly, man. I, I think when I when I'm like here, I'll give you a perfect example. I I was playing a couple of days ago, and there was a 300 yard par four, and I I end my drive left, but it sliced more than usual, so it went all the way to the right, and it bounced off the carpet. And I'm playing Callaway super soft, so they're bouncing and bouncing and bouncing, <laughs> and. And I, 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 I couldn't even see where it went. And I'm thinking, hey, man, I'm, I'm going to lose this ball, but let's see where it is. And I drive there, and it's about five yards off the green. It somehow got, got there. I almost drove the green on par four, being Whoa. as terrible as I am, uh, courtesy of carpet. And uh, <laughs> I, I get there, right? And I'm thinking, I'm about to get my first birdie today. This is it. I'm about yeah. to get it. Uh, just, just a light... Uh, Pitching wedge, maybe bumping around on the green, and we got it. And I, I get about ten inches of dirt, and the ball goes about ten inches in front of me. Right? <laughs> that feeling, man. That feeling, and you guys have all been there, right? Yes. It's, it's like a impotent range. You just feel yeah. like, <laughs> you know, I, you, you just feel deflated. You just yeah. And is what 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 is your guys' audience? Is it PG thirteen or is it R? What's what's your target oh, audience? Oh, X. Yeah. Whatever you want. Oh, it's yeah. X. Yeah. All right. So, so so and and I and I'm saying all these things because again, I don't care, guys. If my dates yeah, are yeah, numbered, yeah. anybody can judge. But take us back to college. I don't know if you guys had you know fun in college, but if you had one too many drinks and you some some girl for whatever reason decided to go home with you 
and you know you you can't be your best because of all the drinks you had <laughs> that's exactly kind of feeling when you're trying to get a birdie and you send that ball 10 inches ahead right that, that that's the thing man it translates to real it translates to real life that feeling so when i went to get the scan I was feeling great, man. Like I was walking, you know, mm. I, I I would walk on a course. I would I was playing great. I didn't get fatigued. You know, there's no kind of bumps on, that I could feel. So I'm thinking this can't be bad, right? I would have some symptoms if I were in a bad spot. So I roll up to to this hospital. I'm thinking, all right, this is gonna be a good one. Let's clear this scan and then let, let's hit some links. And you know, doctor comes in and he says, well, we found these five concerning spots. And, you know, just deflated, mm. deflating. So take that, you know, take that 10-inch chip that you just did, put it yeah. on steroids, have it lift weight for two years, and that's the feeling you get when they tell you, you know, it's it's, it's come back when you don't feel like it's mm. back. Right. That's, that's the exact kind of feeling. You're a hooper. You, uh... There, there are some absolutely legendary Hall of Fame NBA superstars that have come from Southeast Asia, Europe, Southeast Europe. Pardon me. Yep, yeah, Asia too. Maybe even hey, Yao Ming but... was good. Yao Ming was good. <laughs> uh, who, who are some of your like your early athletic influences? I like I can I can name a few hmm. hoopers that came from from that part of the world, but like who who are some of the people that you look up to, drew inspiration from? Since I'm very tall, my whole family is very tall, and you know my my dad was six four, my brother six six, my mom six feet, and her brother, my uncle, is six eleven, and he played professionally in yeah he played professionally in the seventies. He won uh, he won a European championship and. He was drafted by the Blazers, but never wanted to come to the States to play. So he never played in the States. But he was the one who originally got me into basketball. And then uh, Larry Bird was my, my idol growing up. And then that, that switched over to Dirk Nowitzki back in the day. And when I played at Penn State, I actually wore number 41, thinking I'm the next Dirk. But yeah, mm-hmm. I was averaging like four points a game, so maybe not quite. And, Could you uh, shoot? <laughs> so those... Do, I, that, that's all I did. Shoot and pass. That's all I did. It, it frustrated coaches to no end. They wanted me to be a big man bumping <laughs> in the paint. Like, that, that's not what you bought. <laughs> you, you knew what you were getting into. <laughs> yeah. They came, the coaches came to, to Montenegro to, to recruit me from Penn State, the head coach and the assistant coach. And uh, they had me work out there. And all I did was just shoot over there. So I never dunked it. They asked me at the end of the practice, can you dunk it? And I could. I can physically dunk it. I never dunked in a game because that's just not my game. They're like, okay, we can work with this. And then it turns out they couldn't work <laughs> with it. I just I just kept shooting. <laughs> but but yeah, it was uh, of the I'm foreign players. Captain. Yeah, you got to let me exactly. fly. You got to let me yeah. fly. <laughs> yes. That's it. <laughs> that, that's what, man, I, I got some stories from those days. Coaches would get so frustrated at me, man. It's a it's a completely different game, you know, from Europe and, and United States. There, I played professionally and, you know, professional team who has a lot at stake would give you a ball and say, go ahead, play five on five. And when I rolled up to Penn State, I'm thinking, all right, we're about to play. And they gave me like this uh, agenda, three-hour practice. For 10 minutes, we're doing this drill. For 15 minutes, this one. I'm like, man, this, this is like corporate basketball. What is this? We got agendas. And, man, it was tough. I, I did not enjoy that at all. And they're like, you got potential. We want you to be a starter. So you're going to do extra conditioning at 6 a.m. And then later with the team. I'm like I'm. I'm not sure I want to do that. I, I'm not that ambitious. I'm. I'm. I'm just trying to get a. I'm just trying to get a, a degree here, folks. But they had me come out there, and honestly, folks, after about two weeks, I came at like 6 a.m. dead tired, and I just told the conditioning coach, "Man, I'm. I'm not doing it. I, I can't do this today." He's like, "I'm out." I've, I've been. Yeah. He's like, "I've been coaching 30 years. I never had a player tell me I'm not doing it." So they sent me to a head coach to the office. He's like, what's going on? And I'm like, man, I just can't do sprints anymore. Kick me out if you want. I can't do sprints. So they bring in a psychologist. 
they brought a psychologist in. Wow. So, and it's your stereotypical dude with glasses. Like he had me sit on the couch. He's like, what does printing mean to you? And I told him, my guy, it just hurts. There, there, there's nothing. There, there's nothing there's, deeper there. My yeah, guy, it, it just hurts. hurts. <laughs> there, there's no need to, to scratch below the surface here. There, there's no need to talk about my childhood. I just, I just hate sprinting. Oh my god! I just, I just hate it. And he's like, "Okay, so would you rather run long distance?" And I'm like, "Yeah, if I can run slow, I'll run forever. Just, just make that happen." So we made a deal, and that was the deal. I would run long distances, and they'd leave me alone. <laughs> amazing, was, amazing. You're, yeah, you're man. a master negotiator. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what 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 chips I held because it was all on them. They could have kicked me out easily. But I'm gonna try that one next yeah. time. What do you, my yeah. guy? I don't yeah, want to do that's it. A good one, my guy. I, it I hurts. <laughs> what do you think is that's the golf equivalent of running sprints? Golf equivalent of running sprints. Well, when I when I don't feel like exercising, I think it's it's a carpet only day, and then hitting it as far as possible from carpet. Yes. And I'm, yeah, that's that's like I just don't want to walk a hundred yards to shank it, and I gotta bring my whole bag because if I if I hit this ten yards, I'm I, I I'm gonna need a different <laughs> right. club. And you know, I, I might I, I might need like six more shots to get to a green, and I'm not going back to cart for every one of them. <laughs> right. So that's that might be it. Right. If I were good, I'd be aiming around carpet for them to land around it, but I got no control like that. <laughs> there was a section in the Reddit post that had me just like jaw on the floor, mainly because it's beautiful, but also I think it just sums up this show as well as we could ever describe it. It's like death, uncertainty, and fear all get checked at the pro shop. And once you walk onto the first tee, these all are just distant memories happening on the outside. Their noise drowned in the sound of me shanking my drive. The only inevitable downside of playing golf is that it has to end. So when I get home and look at my round stats, I learn that my $15 driver isn't getting the distance I'd want. So I look at new drivers, but then I wonder if I'll live long enough to get to use it properly. Hard to justify buying a Sim 2 big dog if I'll swing it only for a month. And just like that, you slip back into the morbidity of it all. And I think yeah. that is just such a beautiful passage. You're an incredible writer. Yeah. Like you, you truly are an blown incredible away writer. Too. Your, your voice is really is just beautiful. And um, I just wanted to say that I, I think you have an incredible outlook on all of this. And I'm uh, once again, truly grateful that you're spending this time with us because it I know it's it's precious for you uh th thanks man that, that that means a lot and i uh, i have been somewhat blessed with having a decent writing voice but as your listeners will soon realize my my actual voice is not that beautiful but thank you uh so y you're right man that that's that's exactly how it feels you know uh, when i when i sit in my car to go drive to a course there's all kinds of thoughts going through i'm sure you're thinking about the game coming but then you think how many more of these rounds am I going to get in? You know, mm -hmm. I would, I would drive thinking, can I break a hundred today? Is today the day I break a hundred? And when I did break a hundred, when I'm driving home, I'm thinking, you know, will I have time to break a 90? And I know these are high ambitions to, to be shaving on my handicap that fast, but you know, those are the things that, that kind of bring you down. But as soon as you, so you get on this course and, and you see, you know, where, where you're trying to hit the ball, it never goes where you're trying to hit it. But, you start thinking about these things. Everything else is drowned out. It, it's like, uh, you know, brain just doesn't have capacity to at the same time think, what's this chemo going to do to me? And, you know, you're calculating your shot, how to avoid the bunker on the left. So it consumes you. The golf is a thinking game. It, it really does consume you. And it's very fun, especially if you're playing with someone, you know, you're not talking about meaning of life while you're playing usually. But, you know, so so you just don't have the capacity to think of anything else. Now, obviously, when the round ends, uh, the, the thoughts immediately come back, especially if you shoot well. You just want to go back and do it again, and, but you don't know if you'll be able to. But during those, you know, two and a half to six hours, depending the pace of play, you know, it's uh, it's it's absolute peacefulness and you just 
there's like an invisible bubble on that golf course. They're just not letting anything come in, anything negative like that. And I think everybody can learn something from that approach, regardless of what situation you're in. If you have two weeks to live, if you have 10 months to live, if you have 30 years to live, the golf course can be a place where you are fully present, fully in your own space and in your own bubble, like you said. And I think if there's anything that we can communicate, I think from this show and and this session in particular, it's that it's, it's cherish the time that you have and make the most of it. Take some risks like Milos. (laughs) I have a a risk question uh, before we get into the meat potatoes. You flew a plane. Yeah, man. Yeah, I flew a, I flew a plane actually just a month ago. I drew, I drew a tank and shot a machine gun as what? well. So yeah, I'm trying to do all kinds of crazy stuff. But but that I'm I'm terrified of flying, man. I am absolutely terrified of it. Even now, when I know my days are number, and if it goes down, it's it's not that much of a waste. You know, it's like ah, he would have been gone anyways. But even still, I just. It's I'm a very science oriented dude, but I still don't get how tons of metal can fly so violently through the air. And I always write <laughs> at, at, at the takeoff, all I'm waiting for some kind of boom and that's it. But mm. I figured, you know, hey, if, if my days are number, might as well go down epically. And I said, let me let me get into this plane and fly it. An instructor heard my story and he said, you know what, man, you're going to take off, you're going to fly and you're going to land. I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to walk you through it. Now, the dude was only 26 and I told him, man, you got your whole life ahead of you. Don't do this, man. He's like, (laughs) no. He said, no, man, I'm pretty sure we're good. He did get the stick a couple of times to to make sure that he's going to, you know, live long enough but yeah it was great man i flew it uh, i took off and i landed somehow but they, they let me do it and yeah like i mentioned i also went and draw a tank over they, they put up an old cadillac escalate so i drove over it with a tank they gave me a, a bait i mean i live in georgia man that's like they got escalades like they got roaches in, in ATL. They got Escalades and, and guns. Yeah, that's the, like those two things. They, I think they're on Georgia State flag. And uh, oh God. yeah, man, just just trying to trying to have yes. as much fun as I can. Yes. I love it. <laughs> but yeah, it, but but it's, when, when it comes to risk, man, I, you know, I, I, I'm not trying to be irresponsible kind of, you know, jump without a parachute and somebody throws it to me and I hope right, I catch right. it. Not that kind of deal. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know if there's ever like we were just shopping for a car right uh, i'm tall we got two kids two car seats so we needed a bigger car and that's a significant investment you know like those big guys here i always love american cars man suburbans and that they look like houses on wheels how big they are but they're also <laughs> expensive right and i had a friend who was buying like a medium economy car he was shopping for three months for price and all that and I just don't have patience for that anymore. So I, I just walked into a dealership and said, "Does this one does this one run well?" And they said, "Well, it's a new car, so yeah, it runs well." <laughs> and I'm like, "All right, can, can can we do the paperwork?" They said, "Well, you got to test drive first. And I and I asked, "Can I? Do I really have to test drive? It drives. Right? Do I have to?" They're like, "I think legally you might have. So I just said in it, and then you know, let, let's do paperwork." I just it's it's risky. It's not smart thing to do. Even our house we bought without without looking at anything else. You know, we walked in the house. I asked my wife, "Do you mm-hmm. like it?" I yeah, I think this will work. All right, let's do the paperwork. Book just it. don't have patience for all that anymore. That's kind of dope, though. Like, it's a risk, yes, but like to to set yourself up like that, like a brand new car, a home that is is more than enough space for you and your family. Like mm-hmm. the, the important thing yeah. is setting your family up, making sure they're safe, making sure they're they're housed. Like you did that. Like why yeah. why are we wasting time with the mm-hmm. with the formalities, man? Get me my thing with the clerical right. work. Yeah, give me the thing give that I want to buy. Give me the thing. Yeah, man. Honestly, guys, I wish we could all function that way, but unfortunately, it seems like if you want to think this way, it must come with with, with a terminal disease. But but honestly, just le- left and right, I just making those decisions. I was just. I'm a big sneaker hat and I was cleaning out my, my closet a few days ago and I had these like two or three pairs of decently expensive shoes that I don't wear anymore. And I'm like, let me put them on a Facebook marketplace just for a very low price just to get rid of them. Right. Like mm-hmm. 
90% off and, and they're barely used. And folks still try to haggle, man. They're like, I'm selling, uh, I put this, oh. I put this $800 Balenciagas on there and uh, I put them for like 150 And the dude is like, can you do 25 And I'm like, my guy, look. <laughs> And, 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 and I got no patience, so I, I told him, my boy, listen, <laughs> if you're going to come at me with this offer, you need them more than I do. Why don't you just come get them? Just come get them, man. I, I can't do this. I, can, I, can't, I can't go back and forth and say, no, let's do 120, and he brings me 117. Right, right. And I'm like, just take them, man. Just take them. You're going to have a better day, and probably me too, not arguing. So just go ahead. <laughs> so just no patience. I'm about to go get an Escalade oh, and an wow. AK after this combo. <laughs> you live only once. Like, what's the worst that can happen? You ruin your credit score. You're getting calls from all these companies, right? If it gets that bad and it's bothering you, just move to Mexico or Canada. They're not going to follow you. You're good. It's not It's not the end of the world, right? It ain't. It uh, surely that, ain't. It, 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 opens your, it opens your horizons, man, because, you know, and, and I'm not making fun. There are folks who go bankrupt from medical bankruptcy, you know, 2008 crash. Absolutely. But a lot of folks, when stuff like that happens, think, well, this is the end of the world, right? My, my world is crashing in. But they don't realize that the actual only end of the world is if your life ends. That, that's, the, that's the end line. There's a lot more to go until then. So if, if everything crashes in your life and health is all right, you, you're good, man. You're good. You can you can get yourself back up. You know you can you can start in McDonald's. You know bring up, bring yourself up on your feet. You can get find your way back. And again, if you if creditors are chasing you, go down to I don't know Punta Cana and you know be a be a travel advisor. <laughs> you speak great great English, and you live on a beach. The the life is not over. That's. That's it. I love it. All right, Milos, we're going to, we're going to get you, uh, we're going to get you out of here real quick. Cause I know you got some golf to be playing. Um, as a, as a newer golfer, I'm very interested. Are there any smells on the golf course that you've come to love? You know what? I, I heard that in your guys, one of your guys episodes as well. It seems like the, the theme here, the, the smell question must be asked. Huh? Uh, well, you know, it's it's hard to smell proper golf course when when your golfing buddy is always using sunscreen and and a bug spray. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a lot of aerosols out there. But honestly, if you get to the course early in the morning and just the you know the fresh grass, man, there's I, again I keep going back to this to this feeling when especially if you're playing solo and you somehow find yourself alone on a fairway and just the smell of trees, the nature. It just it just feels like this is where where humans should be. Mm. You know, you mm. you walk through through any major city, you can hardly catch a sun. You you look up, it's all these concrete monsters just towering above you. There's you know cars flying by. There's beeping. There's ambulance in distance somewhere. In every major city, there's always ambulance wherever you look. Your phone is going off. You know, you're getting pinged by. Your your work, your wife is saying your your kid has fever. There's so much stress, so much noise being poured on you. And when you're on a golf course, it's the exact opposite. It's like, I hate to be cliche, but it's kind of, you're like one with nature. And I just look up, you know, and it's trees to the side and you see clear sky. And like, there's nothing between me and the universe right now. It's just complete freedom over here. And it's just a, such a peaceful and serene feeling that, completely calms you down i'm sure if if somebody did like a mri of your brain on on a golf course it would just show complete calmness right well unless mm. unless you just hit a, a bad drive then it would probably show some kind of <laughs> neuro storm in there yeah <laughs> yeah neuro storm we we asked this one a lot too milos if you were to play a round of golf with a younger version of yourself you know the 16 year old milos who just started playing professional basketball uh in montenegro you're you don't even know what golf is yet but imagine you're walking down the fairway with 16 year old version of you what do you think that conversation would look like what what would you tell yourself about the way things would go and and any advice and anything like that well i'm a very practical guy so first thing i would say don't there there are two major things i need to tell you first 
go go get checked every year mm. to a doctor so so, yeah. so that i can so that your future self can live longer and second invest in bitcoin <laughs> right that, that would be the second practical advice but you should invent bitcoin uh, either, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah or or no well knowing myself i would say you're probably not smart enough to invent bitcoin so wait for the smart guy to do it and then there jump you go. on there it there you go that, yeah. you're smart enough to jump on but no, honestly, man, and, and this is something that happened to my 19-year-old self, and I think it's the, it's the biggest thing that impacted my life and, and success in my life is when I was a very shy person growing up. Uh, I grew up, uh, I was born in Bosnia, and when we were seven years, when I was seven years old, war began there, and we escaped. We literally went on vacation to my father's country of Montenegro for two days and we were on our way back calling my grandma that we're coming back. And she said, they start shooting, don't come back. So we escaped war by literally 48 hours by accident. Mm. And because of that, my parents were kind of kept me sheltered. You know, there was a lot of uncertainty. So I was always close to home and I was very, very shy and had social anxiety quite a bit. And, you know, I, w I would be scared to talk to girls. I, I didn't have a girlfriend. I never kissed a girl before I came to the States, man. And I was 18 when I came to the States. Now, again, this all comes because I don't care anymore. So I just say whatever's on my mind. But it's an embarrassing thing to admit, right? But I came to the States, man, and uh, this coach picked me up. My assistant coach picked me up at the airport. And he's like, let's go to the cafeteria so we can have, get you a meal to eat. And we don't have cafeterias back home. So it's just a single serve thing, you know. So I got my plate, I got my Dr. Pepper, which I never tried before, and I'm sitting there with him. I wiped out my plate and uh, drank that Dr. Pepper, and the coach said, you know, you can get up and get more. And I, I'm like, what, what, are you going to pay again? And he said, oh, no, no, you, you can eat as much as you want here. And I said, coach, I'm going to find my way to the door. You go ahead. You go ahead, coach. I'm going to be here a while. I drank... I, <laughs> I drank 13 cups of Dr. Pepper in, in calf that day. What? I think. Dan, you gave I, Forrest Gump a run for his I money. Was, <laughs> I know, man. I I think I probably had diabetes for a week afterwards, but I just couldn't believe it, man. And I'm sitting there and I, in the calf on my like 12th Dr. Pepper, and I'm thinking, you know what? I literally know nobody in this whole continent. And my, you know, my shyness usually came from, am I going to embarrass myself? You know, I don't want to embarrass mm -hmm. myself. And I'm thinking, even if I embarrass myself, who, who knows me? <laughs> Who's going to laugh at me? Nobody knows right. me. So the next day I walked up in the cafe and there's this group of girls, like 10 girls sitting at a table. And that would have been my nightmare, man. Just one, one for them to look at me would be night, my nightmare. And I'm like, what's going to happen? They're going to laugh at me. Oh, well, I walked up to them. I found the prettiest one, and I'm like, hey, look, can I get you a number? I don't know anything. My English is terrible, but can I get you a number? She gave me her number, and I thought, man, this is how the world works? You can just do this? And since then, I've been, I've been just like that. I, I, don't know if, if, I don't know if everybody can have this power to just kind of flip a switch, mm -hmm. but I just did it, man. I flipped a switch and just became extremely blunt extremely honest and never shy again it's like on the basketball court you just shoot your shot you just keep shooting that's it shoot or shoot yeah exactly i you know i've, I've had fortune meeting some famous people and playing against them as well and none of that ever intimidated me not because i thought i was better than them you're just like we're all humans man the way i like to say is we all poop in the morning <laughs> that's it like <laughs> like right yeah, you, you see LeBron James, you say, wow, look at him, he's so tall, look at his shoulder, he's the best player in the world, how, how am I going to talk to him? And you just think, well, he had to poop this morning, just like you, he humbled himself on that golden throne yes. right there, right? So it's, <laughs> it's uh, we're all the same, man, yes. that's it. Let's say you return to Montenegro, you, you've won your local club championship in 2021 um, with the the $15 driver somehow you put together uh the round of your life and and won the, the club championship <laughs> and you're hosting this year what is on your championship dinner menu 
Well, we know Dr. Pepper. Yeah, Dr. Pepper <laughs> is the. I actually drank it so much that year that I don't drink it anymore. I'm just, I'm, I'm a Diet Coke. I, I'm a Coke Zero guy now, and, and never 14 in a day again. That was, yeah, that was dangerous. But that, that's a great question. And I just want to say, I no longer have a $15 driver because this amazing oh, guy from Reddit, his name is Matt. I just have to give a shout out to him. He's like, hey, man, are you going to be home tomorrow? I'm driving through Atlanta. That dude brought me almost brand new Maverick driver, and he brought me a Garmin golf wow. watch. Well, Matt's going to be at your dinner. Shout out to Matt. Matt, Matt will be right there. So I got I to gotta go back to roots here from where I came from. So we're start, starting with an appetizer of cold cuts, some prosciutto, some smoked sausage. We're going to have some baked brie in there. Some, uh, you know, some uh, camembert cheese, some some, some high class cheeses and and meats to start it off with some really really good fresh bread. Mm. If you know, if there's no bread back home, it's not a meal. You, we, mm. If 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 you eat a sandwich, you eat piece of bread on the side with it. <laughs> you we just have to have bread. You just which, as you can guess, we, we we all have decently sized beer bellies because of that. But that would be certainly the 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 appetizer. I think. For the main meal, and again, one thing that I dislike about golf is that implied pretentiousness of it. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't go, you know, I wouldn't go filet mignon. I, I would kind of go with, uh, I would say, choice either of, of a steak or, or something really, really simple like a stuffed crust pizza. Mm. That would be. Oh, do, wow. Yeah. Do you want to. I haven't had you, a stuffed you, crust pizza right? in a long time. Man, that's one of the best things that America came up with, man, <laughs> in addition to, to chemotherapy. I say stuff crust pizza and chemo. Wow. I'm thankful to America for that. <laughs> Honestly, wow. it's like whenever somebody visits me from Europe, I'm like, first thing you got to try is stuff crust pizza. <laughs> Hopefully, you will never have to try the chemo. That's not as fun. <laughs> but stuff crust pizza, that's the good stuff. And then... For dessert, uh, we got to go back to Europe for that as well and, and go with some tiramisu, I would yes. say. Uh, I love I love this country. I'm an American citizen now. But you guys make some sweet desserts, man. In one yeah. bite of your your average cake, that that's that, that much sugar goes in a whole cake in mm-hmm. Europe. I don't know it's what's true. going on here. <laughs> like eat a piece of, piece of birthday cake here with that frosting. Uh, and I got a headache. Like my body say, we got to get this energy out mm-hmm. somehow. That's a fantastic menu. I would love to yes. to attend. Would love to eat with that. <laughs> We're going to have to get together sometimes. And uh, I'll make some, some stuffed crust pizzas for you. There we go. All right. We're going to try something a little new. We actually haven't done this before. We've been talking about it for a while. So All right. I have these. I have a bowl of cards in front of me. They each have uh, a different word on it, like healing abundance, forgiveness, mm-hmm. words like that. Our favorite one is this one. It says intention and it's actually it has a golf illustration nice. on it. So I like it. if you're all right with it, I'm going to shuffle up the bowl and I'm going to pick one yeah. card and I want you to speak on it, how you're feeling about the situation. Sure thing, man. This feels like one of those, what do you see right. kind of things. And if you say, yeah, exactly. yeah, I see a serial killer, then yeah, you're going to, <laughs> to a place. All right. The one I picked is trust. Trust. Oh, boy, that's a good one. Well, yeah, man. So, all right. So, from my uh, obvious situation, the biggest thing is trusting folks who who know more than me about the things I'm dealing with. And and that's mostly my doctors, right? And, uh, Mm -hmm. again, I am a very, very science and rational driven guy. And I'm... I I also am, uh, and this is going to come off arrogant, but somewhat of an academic. I, I'm currently going through PhD, and and I'll, I'll be, you know, hopefully a doctor in about a year, pending that, you know, I, pending pending my situation. Hopefully, I can I can have that doctor written on on whatever box my wife decides to keep me in when they cremate me. But that's that's the plan to get to that title if I could, right? But trust, man. So when I was just diagnosed, the Obviously, after the first few days of feeling sorry about yourself and asking the sky, why are you doing this to me? I turned to let's let's tackle this thing. Right. And I, I came up with so many different treatments that could work for me. And then I walk into a doctor's office and he's like, how tall are you? How much do you weigh? And he looked on the chart 
is like, okay, so this is the dose of chemo that you're getting. Do you have any questions? Like that, that's all right. I, I like I did days and days of research. My wife as well. We called all kinds of friends who are doctors for advice. And this dude just strolls in and he's like, all right, on this chart is showing this, nothing else to it. It's like, he didn't do any research. You know, I know that they know what they're doing, but every case is kind of unique. And you got this 30-year-old 30, 30 dude who, who got diagnosed with a terrible terminal cancer, and you just go off charts like that. And I couldn't, mm. couldn't accept that, right? So I found a connection with his boss and, and asked him some question. And then the boss told the, the doctor to, you know, be, be a little m more attentive to this, but I could never trust this guy. You know, when I was just at the beginning, I went into remission. I was so elated thinking, wow, I, I might have a chance here. And he's like, don't get your hopes up. This will kill you eventually. And I'm wow. thinking, man, you really know how to hype somebody mm -hmm. up. Huh? I wish I had this dude while, while I'm teeing off, I would be shooting 300, man. <laughs> and, uh, I just, I just decided, well, I can't do this. I'm going to switch doctors. And, and that's, that's something that's unheard of in the world of oncology. It's usually, you know, who you start with, that, that's going to be your guy. I'm like, man, this, this can be. So I went on a kind of a road show. I went to MD Anderson in Houston. I went to Dana Farber in, at Harvard. And I went to do Cancer Institute as they're the best for my type of cancer. And, you know, MD Anderson was good, but it was kind of pretty, uh, impersonal kind of like a conveyor belt factory, right? Next patient, next, next. Uh, Dana Farber, I, I brought some questions to this dude who's a professor of oncology at Harvard, and he's he was so pretentious, man. I asked him a question. He's like, do you want me to speak or do you want to speak? And I'm like, neither, buddy. Mm. See you later. You know, wow. and then I went to see to see this this guy, Duke, and he was a perfect match. Brilliant personable and caring right and uh the nurse actually who who checked me in and she takes your blood work and stuff like that she liked me so much that she went and wrote on a little sticky note for him fix the new guy <laughs> right and he comes in wow. he comes in with a sticky note that says fix the new written on it he's like well she gave me this so now i really have to fix you and now i have it tattooed wow. right here it says uh yeah, it says fix the new in her handwriting i've never I've never experienced something, somebody caring in this world. And, and look, I get it to some extent. When you sign up for oncology, most of your patients are going to die, right? That's just the nature of the game. So you get desynthesized and, and you know, you gotta, you cannot connect to your patients. Otherwise, it's going to be painful when they check out. But there's a fine line. There's some bedside manners to it, right? And this guy was caring. He knew what he was doing and he was... He didn't tell me you're going to survive this, but he said, we're going to do everything that's that's available in the world for you to keep going. And, you know, at that time I went to see him when I had the brain, brain occurrence. He said, you are going to meet your son, you know, and that was mm. huge to me. And this guy cared wow. and I, I trusted him. And like right now, when he called me yesterday with these new results, he said, look, there's a immunotherapy is good for you. You have a choice of going with chemo as well, which will be tough on you, but it's your call, you know, and usually I would make those calls myself, but I told him, man, I'm putting my, my life in your hands because I do trust you. You do know better than me. So you call this, whatever you say, I'll do it. And he said, you know, I, I think it's probably better odds if, if we nuke you with some chemo as well. I'm like, nuke away, right? It's it's going to be tough, fellas. It's, it's, it's going to be tough. Don't get me yeah. wrong. In, in two weeks from now, you know, the hair will start falling out. I'll start puking left and right. Usually there's not much pain associated, at least in my experience, but it's mostly nausea that absolutely destroys you and just weighs on you heavily, right? And obviously you can't do as much when, when you're just kind of bedridden. But I, I trust in this guy. And it might not work out. I'm aware of that. But I trust that this is the best path. And it's not easy when life is in a line to trust someone who you see, you know, 30 minutes a month at best. Yeah. Wow. A very uh, thoughtful thank answer. You, thank you. Shout out to Duke Medical Center. Uh, I'm, I'm yeah. glad you have somebody yeah, that you can trust. I'm glad that you have somebody in your corner. Yeah, man. Uh, that, that's, that's what I told them. Like, I, I'm not expecting you guys to save me. But if I'm going to check out, I want to check out knowing that I tried everything and that I had a team 
who was willing to try everything with me. That's all I'm asking. Mm-hmm. And let's see what happens. Well, you have a you have a team with us. You do. Yeah, man. You you have me and Connor and and I know I know you got Drew. <laughs> Drew Drew is with you too, man. <laughs> um thank you. No, I really I really do appreciate that. Yeah. I just have one more. I mean, you, you have some incredible world-class golf to play, uh, this week. I have one question before we go. What do we title this episode? I might have to think on that a little bit, but again, fellas, I really like morbid humor. I I find humor in in, in all of this. So if we can come up with something, something a bit, I don't know, edgy, I guess. That would be great. I, I, I can think about it for, for a little bit. But, but again, guys, I don't take this serious. Here, look at it. You know you know the, that screen painting? Yes. Mm-hmm. Where uh, this guy, uh, there's two shadows coming for him. Yes. Mm. But instead of the shadows, I have a chemical structure of a chemo that's about to wreck me. Mm. Because that's, oh, that's my two shadows. But I make fun of it. And uh, here, for example, I have a, creation of adam you know when when god kind of gives life to adam Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. instead of just giving life to him i have god holding chemo pills which which set me in remission like two years ago right Mm -hmm. so i just i just don't don't take this seriously man and and you guys so by now i I just make jokes about all this what's the point and you know life isn't that serious man you can a lot of doctors tell me you know i can get hit by a bus tomorrow which which is whole nother kind of cliche but you just don't know, man. Life is extremely fragile. So to take it that seriously, there's no point. You take it seriously yeah. and then you get hit by an errant drive and that's it. Boy, lights out. Then what, what, what did you do then? Now, if you had yeah. fun, that would say, well, that's appropriate way to go then. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll, I'll let you know what, whatever, uh, if, I can, if I can come up with something funny, cool. man, some kind <laughs> of golf, golf and, and death and all analogy. <laughs> Well, Milos, thank you so much for this time. We will be in touch. I'm so excited to hear about how Pinehurst goes for you. Well, thanks, guys. Really, this 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 has been great. And and honestly, the only thing that that kind of gives me, I'm cynic by nature, and I honestly don't don't even think I don't like humans. To be honest, I, I usually don't like mm. people because I don't think I, I don't think we're, we're all great, but. When I experience this human kindness like this and, and, you know, just just three guys who I've never met to sit down and chat about things like this and to express that kind of care, it just warms my heart, man. It gives me hope regardless of what the outcome will be in the end. It's much easier roaming through this twilight zone knowing that there are folks who, who care out there. It's, it's much easier, truly. So I appreciate this. Thank you, man. That's great.